Welcome to Midlife Madness, where we check our egos at the door and have unfiltered conversations about midlife issues that a lot of people deal with, but don't generally talk about out loud, Um, except here. We do it totally here. It's so much fun. So pull up a chair, grab your coffee, and today we're going to chat about winning conditions. Welcome to Midlife Madness. I'm Leslie. And I'm Marie. And we are best friends who happen to be sisters. And we started this podcast, what, about a year ago, wasn't it? Almost. almost. Yeah, almost a year ago. Yeah. Uh, just based on the fact that we we love to chat about stuff. And we thought, you know, there's probably people who would want to be in on this chat. We have two rules. We don't talk about politics. And we don't judge anybody. And this is a safe place where we just like to spend time together. Maybe we walk away with a little bit of wisdom at the end. But because this is the week of the election, we do have to at least acknowledge that this is going on. We are recording on Saturday and we did hear today that we have a new president. So I would like to say to all my Democrat friends, all our Democrat friends, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Now be kind, Give Mm -hmm. give the Republicans a little time to recover. And to our Republican friends, I have a quote, and I've always loved this quote from Tom Hanks on Castaway. I know what I have to do now. I got to keep breathing because Mm. tomorrow the sun will rise. Who knows what the tide will bring? Mm, I love it. We actually have a special guest today, and uh, I cannot wait to introduce you to her. Um, Her name is Chrissy Hoffbeck. Uh, Do you mind if I call you Chrissy or do you want me to call you Christine? No, no, we're friends. Yeah, we we go. We're Chrissy for sure. I was like, I hope she doesn't want me to call her Christine because I will mess that up. I know I will. (laughs) No, it's good. good. Yes. Well, Chrissy is actually a, um, she's an actuary, which is funny. I don't, I didn't even know what that was until I met her. We're going to get to that. And we're going to get to that. So if you don't know what that is either, don't feel bad. Like, I get it. Um, But here's the thing. Uh, Chrissy and I were both on Survivor at different times. We were both the mom that was cast on our tribe. And um, and that's about where our game... We played the game because I did nothing like she, she is amazing. She did so well. Honestly, in my opinion, maybe it's because I know her and I love her and I don't know Ben, but she should have won. And uh, I thought she was the first episode. I wasn't so sure she was throwing up. Remember that, Chrissy? I do remember that. <laughs> Unfortunately, so did 10 million other people probably. <laughs> nah, nah, no, because you played the game so well, you totally made up for it. But anyway. Oh, thanks. And Christy, um, she and I are on what's called the mom squad. And it's a bunch of moms who've been cast on the show Survivor. It's funny. I was at my doctor yesterday and um, I was talking to her. I said, yeah, I'm going to go meet with some friends next week. One's from Jersey. One's from Florida. One's from Louisiana, Pennsylvania, Minnesota. And I'm from Utah. I said, so we're just coming from all over. She goes, is this a sorority? And I started laughing. <laughs> I like, sort of. So we were all moms on Survivor. And she was like, oh my gosh, that's so fun. So um, yeah, Chrissy, I would like for you to say hello to our midlifers and uh, just whatever's on your heart right now. Oh, hi, everyone. Um, so I was telling Leslie and Marie before I came on this podcast that I was actually had a little anxiety about coming on this podcast, which is so crazy. <laughs> it is. That's totally not not me. So no, um, not at all. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm feeling you know, better, though, after the first five minutes. So. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> good. Well, you know what? It's It's really just women hanging out and talking. And, you know, men hang out with us too, but they don't talk. <laughs> yes. We don't exactly. like never. Yeah. We did never. have a guy on once though. Buck. Remember Dr. Buck? He oh, was yes. on when we did. coronavirus first started. I know Dr. Buck. Yes. yes. I met him with you. Yeah. He's yes. Wonderful. He's amazing. He, he lives here in the Salt Lake area. And so we had him on and we talked about, you know, he ended up getting coronavirus. And oh. yeah, but he did really well, of course, because he's super healthy and amazing. So Anyway, today we are going to be talking with Chrissy about her book, Winning Conditions. We're also going to talk a little bit about Survivor. We're going to talk about friendship, midlife stuff. And of course, we are going to start, as we do every episode, the whole thing out with a little segment we call, I can't believe she said that out loud. And today I have actually asked Chrissy to share a story as well. I gave her some force, you know, a little bit of notice so she wouldn't be taken off. Like, wait, you want me to embarrass myself? Um, and so, uh, Chrissy, do you want to kick us off today? And then Marie, you can go and then I'll go. Okay. Okay. So I'll kick us off, but I, I disclaimer that my story is not from the past week because I haven't really left my house in about eight months. <laughs> 
I don't really get embarrassed in front of my own family. So I had to think back a little bit to the, you know, to something oh, yeah. that was embarrassing. Yeah. And this, I don't know. I think any midlifer can, can relate to this story. But I recall one time when I was... Uh, I was driving down the New Jersey Turnpike and there was this part of the New Jersey Turnpike where it went from like seven lanes to, to two lanes, right? So it Ooh. always backs up with like really, oh really bad God. traffic there, right? So this particular day, there must have also been an accident. So the cars are just totally stopped. So I decided I'm going to make the best of it and listen to some music in my car, as I always do. Like I'm an 80s girl. I'm listening to my 80s music. <laughs> and I'm like really getting into it. And I am singing and I'm going. <laughs> and then I start with the snapping. Yes, so girl. Cool. And I am like snapping and singing. And I happen to casually look to my left and sitting in the car right next to me is my former manager, my boss, no. who was, he was laughing so hard. He was like crying. He was like crying, laughing at me. And I had no idea how long this had gone on. This could have gone on a full five minutes of me jamming out and the snapping. Ugh. Do you remember what song it was? Cause like, I'm, I want to feel this moment. I don't, but it was probably like journey something yes, or other, sure. you know, like yeah. something like that or Phil Collins, or it could have even oh, been Lionel Richie, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Dancing like, on the ceiling. Yeah. I can see yeah like yes. something, something really bad like that. So, oh, that's so yeah, fun. So that's my embarrassing story. <laughs> yes. We can all relate to that. I've, I've actually been caught several times and I've caught people. And when I do, I always give them a thumbs up. I'm like, yes, <laughs> get it. Or blow them a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I have sat at lights and I do the same thing, obviously. And I, I know someone has caught me singing and I look at them and I just like, who cares? I don't know who they are. <laughs> just keep singing. You like what you see, buddy? Well, you're happy to be happy too, right? Happy people yes. sing. That's, yep. that's how it goes. So. There's yeah. something really joyful. And like, I want to encourage everybody listening and even you too. I want to encourage you to sing your freaking heart out in your car oh, and I don't do. care about what people think because I promise you, if somebody sees you doing that, you're going to make them smile. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So true. It's and terrible. I'm a terrible singer. Ter terrible. Oh. Well, there's the a music, reason you're an actuary. Yeah. No. <laughs> the music yes. has to be loud enough that I can't hear my own voice. So, <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay. So instead of embarrassing myself with a story today, I'm going to embarrass myself live because oh. I want to rant about something. Mm -hmm. I want to rant about chopped salads. Oh. And by that, I mean, this is very important. And I want to help others who are suffering like me. And I, I hope that restaurant owners and chefs are listening. What is the deal with, have you ever had a really good oh, yes. chopped salad? Yes. They're so good. Where you eat every bite. Oh my yes. Gosh. Yeah. I mean, they have lettuce and yes. veggies and, you know, like maybe a little red onion. And um, sometimes there's some nuts or little clumps of blue cheese in them. And they're just so good. I had one that was really good that had chicken and like a, some tortilla strips. And what and are then, you ranting about? What's okay, in a wait, <laughs> No, no, I'm going to get there. Okay. They're always tossed in like some kind of vinaigrette and then they're chopped up really, 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 really tiny. So you can eat them with a fork. You know what or I mean? Spoon. Yeah. Yeah. It's all flavors and, and, in one forkful. Exactly. Oh, okay. And no further preparation needed. Truth. And so I am feeling very betrayed oh. because I love chopped salads and I see them on menus everywhere. But then I order it and it shows up and there's a freaking sorry, sorry. For that is a horrible <laughs> word. I can't. I know. I'm going <laughs> to start that part over. No, do it. Keep going. You're, you're on a roll. I want to hear it. What are you ranting about? Okay, it shows up. It's like a head of lettuce and there's like, four quarters of a tomato and there's like a thick slice of cucumber from a cucumber you've like never seen so big of a cucumber before. And then there's a few croutons and maybe there's a whole chicken breast sliced up on top. That is not, I mean, that requires further chopping. Did they that is not do the work? Salad. Did this happen to you? All the time. Wait, all the time. All the time? So it's in a bowl that's overflowing. And so when you start to chop it, it goes everywhere and you have salad mm -hmm. all over your, your lap. I just feel like this has to stop. <laughs> they can't call it a chopped salad. And so, but I do want to give a tip. If they ask you what kind of dressing would you like, it is not a chopped salad. Chopped salad oh. does not get dressing on top. Okay. So, Wait, where does the dressing go on a chopped it, salad? It's already in it. It is already in it. It's they already throw it in there. And, and it, So if you, 
order a chopped salad and they say, what dressing would you like? Order something else because they're just lying. Oh. They're just lying to you. Marie's going to start like a Facebook page with people yeah. who they stop the chop. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, okay. yeah. Start the job. Yes. All okay. right. Well, I'm going to let you do that. I'm going to let you embarrass yourself by yeah. ranting about a chopped salad. <laughs> and then I'm going to tell you probably one of the most hilarious things that has ever happened to me. <laughs> this is my story and I'm sticking to it. It was a few weeks ago. I got a, um, my friend is a beautician who is studying to be a beautician. And I, I am always like, just whatever you want to do, do it to my hair. And she's so she and I decided I was going to get a Brazilian blowout. Do you know what that is? Like the, where they straighten it. So that you, because my hair is very frizzy, curly. If you saw me on Survivor, that was my jungle hair, and that is what it looks like when there's no product. Um, well, so I go and I get this Brazilian bowl, and I'm I'm kind of sad in my heart because I missed my curls. You know what I mean? It was very very straight, and so I sent my daughter Peyton, who's in college. I sent her a text, and I said, "I said Peyton, I got a Brazilian blowout today. It's really pretty and really shiny." I said, "But." Uh, I miss my curls. I miss my curls. And I didn't hear I know from her. Where this is going. <laughs> I didn't hear from her for a long time. So I was like, <laughs> I'm going to send her another text because, because surely, surely, she just didn't see my text because she always responds, right? So I send her a picture of the hair and she immediately responds. She goes, OMG, mom, I thought you said you got to. Brazilian wax and you missed your curl. <laughs> and it was now sleek and shiny. And <laughs> straight. I didn't even think about it. She didn't know what a Brazilian blowout was. So anyway, yeah, it was that was so funny. I laughed so hard. That's anyway, a great story. <laughs> yeah. So, but we're all better now. She knows what it is and we're all, we're all happy. And I'm starting to get some curls back. Just a few. Um, but anyway. <laughs> I can't like, okay, forget it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to introduce my friend Christy a little bit. We want to talk a little bit about your book in a minute. But first, Christy, I want you to kind of join in the conversation a little bit. Do you remember when we first met? Do you remember that? Well, so first of all, can we just rewind to yeah. when you played on Survivor China? And I specifically remember watching you on my TV and thinking you were so awesome. And oh. when I met you, do you remember I said to you, oh my gosh, I remember your audition video. They played it on TV. I could remember it vividly. I remember watching you. You made such a huge impact on me. And then oh. I actually met you like, what, 10 or 15 years later, 10 years later? Yes. Yeah. Oh like fangirled a little bit. Oh, I love, that's so funny. P people usually don't know who I, who I am. Yeah, no, I totally did. So, because we were meant to be friends. Right, that, exactly. like, the universe was just took some time to get us together. Well, you, you auditioned a lot. Like I did. How many times do you try out? A lot. So I started auditioning in 2001 and I didn't submit applications every year, but some years I submitted more than one application through multiple email addresses. Yes. So did yeah, a lot too. of times. And I didn't get called to play until 2017. Wow. So yeah, you were on that path too. And, and, and it's funny, even before I was cast, I remember when I would watch the show, I would look for the mom and she would be the one I'd root for. And still to this day, it's always the mom because that's who I can relate to and connect with the most. And, and so when you played, um, what was these, season 36, right? 35. 35. Okay. Season 35. When you played, I remember seeing you throw up and totally relating and then I was like, oh, God, I hope they don't vote her out like first because she threw up. But you didn't. And then you played such a freaking awesome game. I was I was fangirling. I was like, I cannot wait to meet her because I knew I would because all of us moms, we just like have this connection. Yeah. And um, but anyway, so and then we met when I flew out to your house, having never met you before. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We I'm kind of a connector. Chrissy knows this. She knows this about me. I started a Facebook page for past survivors, but I also try to keep the moms connected. And we do little trips like once a year um, where we go and meet somewhere and have adventures <clears throat> because, you know, survivor was such a fun adventure for all of us. And then it was over. So we're like, well, we need to keep creating adventure for ourselves because this is just so much fun. And we, we have so much in common. There's never a moment when nobody's talking, right? No, and there are some moments that we're all talking at exactly the same time, but somehow yeah. we figured out how to listen to everyone and it's great. We're very adaptable. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, I invited Chrissy. I'd never met her, but I was like, I know, I felt like I knew her, you know. And I said, why don't you just come out? She's like, why not? So she comes out and I met her and it was like, we just knew each other 
And a few uh-huh. other moms came too. Yeah, we had yeah. a great time. That was great. It was so much fun. And then we, um, now we're doing the uh, Minnesota tour. We're going to have an amazing time. I think we're going to have Christmas next week, aren't we? We are. Yeah. yeah. So tell me a little bit about your, when you first were there and Jeff was like, welcome, come on in everyone. And it was like, tell me what was going through your mind. Yeah. Well, so first of all, it had taken me so long to get on Survivor that when I was you fly out for pregame. You're actually out in Fiji or wherever you are in location for, for five or six or seven days before the game starts. So they can do last minute medical and things like that. Um, but the whole time I was there, I was thinking, I hope that I'm not an alternate. Like I was convinced after all this time, I'm it's go- I'm going to be an alternate. And it wasn't until Jeff, we were we started our season on a ship and Jeff said, welcome to season 35, that I was like, Whew, I actually <laughs> made it. And that was the first moment that I allowed myself to have that joy of thinking, oh my gosh, I made it on Survivor. That only lasted about a half a second because then the terror began. Mm -hmm. And then it was just, it was absolute, it was terror, which is in fact why I threw up on day three. Mm -hmm. Um, I I had, I immediately had that, that imposter syndrome that Mm -hmm. women have where I thought that I had tricked those producers into thinking that I was worthy of playing this game. But in fact, I was not. So on the outside, I'm trying to portray this. Oh, I'm so confident. Oh yes, I belong here. Oh, I'm a hero on the hero's tribe. And inside I was just dying. Oh my gosh. I never knew um, that. Yeah. We're actually talking about doing a podcast on imposter syndrome. Yeah. And that's what happened. And so I think that I was able to really fake it on the outside. And after that first challenge, when we lost it, that was my body just revolted at that moment. And I just fell over and just threw up. I think that was just me saying like, I like, I don't know if I can do this. And oh, um, I made it through that first night and, really and started, did. yeah, started to get my legs under me. And it, it took me a couple of, of weeks, I would say, to, to feel as if I were enough and I were worthy of playing that game. Of course, what I learned through the whole thing is the producers knew exactly what they were doing. They just saw something in me that I hadn't seen in myself. So do you see it now? Yeah. You know, I try, right? Not always, right? Oh, no. I'm a human being. I'm a human. No, you know. I know, but I, I love, I love that because I feel like Survivor does that with everybody. There's something very deep about ourselves that we learn when everything is stripped away, and we are literally face to face with this is happening, and and like the world is watching. Yeah, you know, but. When you, okay, so you made it to the finals. I hate to like give that away to people who may be listening and have never seen it, but you made it to the final two. Uh, yeah. Well, the final three final we had, three. but I came in second place. Yeah. Well, I, I say final two because you okay. but um, <laughs> anyway, yes, you made it to the finals and, and your jury performance to me was like the highlight of every survivor I've ever watched. How do you prepare for something like, what was going through your mind at that point? I was actually terrified for Final Tribal Council because I had seen, of course, every season of the show leading up to mine, and I had seen the the finalists get slaughtered by the jury. And I really felt on day 39 that I just had this adventure of a lifetime, and I didn't want them to ruin it. Mm. And so mo- I, I went into that Final Tribal Council so afraid. I cried for several hours before it started. Um because I didn't want them to end my experience on a, on a bad note. You know, as it turned out, it was totally fine. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it worked out all right. I mean, I didn't win the game, but I still, (laughs) I still, um, I, I cherish that experience and I, I came out of it feeling like a winner. I'll say. Well, you definitely, I honestly, for a long time thought you did like, I don't know why. And I remember thinking, man, Christy won that, you know, but I think in my head, I just felt like you did such a good job that man, she can walk away from there knowing that she did every single thing that she could have done. Yeah. So Ben and I knew that it was going to be him or me Mm -hmm. and the jurors were very clear with us. It was edited out, but they said, you know, we're, we're picking between Ben and Chrissy. And then Jeff said, I'll go tally the votes. And someone stopped him and said, what will you do if it's a tie? And Jeff said, it hasn't been a tie in 34 seasons if it's a tie, I'll let you know. And when that happened, there was a moment of calmness thinking I could take this thing. He could mm-hmm. take this thing, right? We right. know it was one of the two of us. So Jeff left and went and counted the votes. He's gone, you know, Leslie, he's gone for like 20 oh, yeah. minutes. He comes back out and um, he said, it's not a tie. That's a wrap. 
And then the wow. game was over. And so Ben and I talked all summer. We're like, which one of us took this game? I thought it was him. He thought it was me. And then, you know, neither of us knew until the finale. Watching the finale, I knew then that he had won. So when Jeff actually read the votes, it you know, was I wasn't clear. surprised. Yeah. yeah. Ben got all that commentary about sending his kids to college and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Stuff like that. You know that. Um, <laughs> the winners yeah, edit. <laughs> so it's okay. So I, I came out of it feeling okay. I feel like I did a good, did a good job. Now you stepped away from your career as an actuary. I got fired from my job. What? So when I, yes, when I asked for nine weeks off to play the game, the seven weeks to play plus a week before and a week after, I got fired from my job. So when I went out to play Survivor, I was unemployed. And I had a great job that I loved. But wow. that's how life goes. Yeah. Give up some good things to get your dreams. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And you know what? I love that you just did it anyway. I think that's kind of like a border bully. It stands like right in the way of, of your dreams is this, do you believe, do you trust enough? And um, so, okay, you are an actuary. I want you to explain to the simple folk. Uh, no, nope, yeah, that? nobody knows what an actuary is, so it's okay. No. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's okay. So I'll tell you what an actuary does. So what an actuary does is they find patterns in historical data to predict future financial events. So an event that will happen in the future that requires a monetary payout, right? So okay. for example, let's pretend that you may or may not crash your car in the future. You're going to need to get your car fixed. How much is that going to pay? How much is that going to cost? So what an actuary figures out is what is the likelihood that you will crash your car? What? How much will it cost when that happens? And when will that happen? Because it's a difference whether it happens next year or in 10 years, right? So any future financial events. So we see actuaries predicting things like when people will retire and begin to get their retirement benefits. Um, they manage social security. Um disability, health benefits, when will you need payments to the doctor? And so actuaries basically use patterns in historical data to predict the future and help people save now so that they have enough money to pay for these mm -hmm. future financial events. Actuaries wow. are often confused with accountants because we both do numbers and we start with the letters AC, but act accountants actually look backwards and certify the, ac the accuracy of what happened in the past, whereas actuaries right. look forward. So okay. this is why I loved playing Survivor as an I was going to say, how did yeah. that help you? It was like, great because all what I would do is basically in my head, calculate the probability of things happening, what could happen. Now, what started to happen is I would talk about all the things that could potentially happen. And my tribe mates were like, Chrissy, you sound really paranoid. You sound really paranoid. And that's when I realized I had to stop being an actuary and start being a human being. <laughs> yeah. Go figure. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, but yeah, so so it's all math. But and I, I love I love what I do. I love my profession. Are you still doing that then? Is that what you're still doing today? So when I came home from Survivor, I, I have been doing consulting work in the actuarial space, but not full time. I then stopped and, and wrote a book, a nonfiction business book, which I think we'll talk a little bit about. And mm -hmm. I started doing a lot of speaking engagements. And also my kids are big. They're in high school. I have two in college. So I really wanted to spend this time going to every single kid event that I possibly yeah. could squeeze in before they're out mm -hmm. of the house. So um, yeah, so all those things. That's Very awesome. cool. I just want to kind of throw this out there because you can probably relate to this. When you're out there in Survivor, even if you try not to be who you really are, it just comes out. And that is kind of like I, what you were saying. I was trying not to be an actuary, but that's who I am. So it was coming out. You had to fight that urge. I was the same way with being a mom. I was just mothering everybody. And they even called me mom. <laughs> they wrote mom on the parchment when they voted me out. It's very hard to not be who you just are. Oh my gosh. So I remember one time so vividly, um, those of us who were on the loved ones visit got, got gifts from our families, right? Mo which most of us was blankets that we got. It was like day 34, 35. So we didn't get it for a lot, but Ryan was there. So I remember Ryan got a blanket and I will never forget sitting in the shelter and watching Ryan fold this blanket. He wasn't really paying attention. He's 22 years old or whatever. And so... And I, all I wanted to do was stand up and fold the blanket the right way. <laughs> like that is not how you fold a blanket. And it was everything in my power to sit there. I think I was probably sitting on my hands like thinking like, Chrissy, do not say a word. Do not say anything. Do not help him fold that blanket. It doesn't need to be folded perfectly. Oh my yeah. gosh. I love that. Yes. It's very hard not to be who you really are. But I want to, I want to switch gears a little bit because we want to talk about your book. I, mm -hmm. Chrissy, I don't read. 
I just don't, I write, I wrote a book too, but I don't read. I don't. And, and if I do, I'll read maybe two chapters and then I'm moving on to the next book and start to, yeah, I'm very ADD. I could not, like your book was so good. And it was so good that with my crazy brain, the way it is, like I would have to read a chapter, sit it down and like absorb it and go back and read certain things because it was so insightful. You're so and, and when I, Thank you. I'm going to be honest, when I saw the title, Winning Conditions, How to Achieve the Professional Success You Deserve by Managing the Details, I saw the word detail and I was like, oh God, I <laughs> love her, her, so I'm going to read it, but oh gosh, I hate details. That's me. I'm but- details. <laughs> Chrissy. Okay. And I don't mean to get off track, but I feel like this is the same thing I felt when I read your book, Leslie. And- oh, okay. I'm I'm detouring us for one second is I'm not a religious person. And when I read your book, I sat down and I was like, I'm going to read this because Leslie, my Leslie's my friend and I want to read her book. I could not put it down. I could not put it five hours later. My family's like, where's mommy? And I'm still like glued to this book. So anyway, so that was glad you liked it. But anyway, so thank you. So yeah, but I mean, it's the same. I, because here's the thing. I knew your heart. And I knew you as a person. So I was like, there's going to be something in there that I absolutely love, but I've got to get past the word detail. And as soon as I opened it and I realized it's, it is about details, but it's about details that are, I feel like this is a manual on emotional intelligence. I feel like it really is so good. Like, Tell me how this happened. Why did you write a book about this? Yeah. So the whole idea of the book is that the amount of success that we have in life is not only based on the work itself. It's also based on how you deliver that work or share your work or share yourself or share your own value in a way that helps other people to think of you as a winner, to have other people want to recognize you, want to promote you, want to celebrate you, want to trust you and give you a seat at the table. And I think it really came about, I'll say, early in my career, high school, college, I had a few sort of interesting experiences that made me realize that the people who succeed or win are not necessarily the people with the best work or the yeah. best ideas. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes when when you work really hard and you're like, gosh, I deserve this. I mm-hmm. deserve this. Why is it not me? Why am I not getting celebrated or recognized or promoted? And mm-hmm. so it started this sort of quest of of what causes someone to to you know to get all that. So um yeah, so I I really started watching a lot of human behavior, seeing a lot of situations that happened in my own work, talking with a lot of people. I went back to graduate school to MIT and I studied behavioral economics. I, wow, you know, wow. I I you know, again, just through a lot of conversations and experiences began sort of developing this idea that I called winning conditions. And what I found is the more I did it, the Mm. more I started like Mm -hmm. really moving forward in my career very quickly. So, um, yeah. So then I started giving presentations about it and talking to a lot of people and the response was really gigantic. Like people wanted to just hang out and talk about it afterwards and send me emails and, oh my gosh, let me tell you what happened to me. And then people kept saying, you have to write this book. So then I sat down, I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll write a book and see what happens. And anyway, (laughs) I wrote this book and it's been, yeah, yeah, the response has been really good. So, well, I I think, I mean, what you're talking about is relationships. It is how people see you and how they relate to you. And 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 I have always said, like in the business that I, I do fitness, and sometimes we hire instructors who are really good with book smart stuff. Like they know their stuff. They've got master's degrees. But you put them in front of a group of people and there's just zero personality. There's zero connection. And it and I always say it's so easy to teach people the book stuff. It is so hard to teach people relationship stuff and how to connect with people. And this is this book is basically the, it's like the thing that I've always thought needed to be said. And you said it. And I I, I just want to say thank you because thank you. it was insightful. And I will tell you in a few minutes how it has helped me already. So, well, and, and so speaking of thank you, I want to talk about, I mean, at the very, I think it's page eight, I can't even remember, but you talk about accepting compliments. <sighs> And I will tell you, this is something that Leslie and I both struggle with. And mm-hmm. I think, um, wow. It's like, yeah. <laughs> I just thought, give us an example of how you came to that. 
Yeah, so the example that Marie is talking about is something that I noticed. I, I had started my first job on the exact same day as another young actuary. She was one of my closest friends. Her name was Rosalind. She was wonderful. I'm still friends with her to this day. And um, we worked on the exact same work, same educational background, same actuarial exams. And everyone raved about Rosalind all day long. Like they literally called her the amazing Rosalind, the amazing Roz. They thought she was so great. And I remember thinking like, I am doing the exact same work as Rosalind. Why? <laughs> why is no one raving about me? Like I I'm here too. And the thing is, I loved her so much too. And I stopped and I, I, I thought I'm actually going to see what she's doing that I'm not doing. And it was little things that she did. And the example that I gave was accepting compliments. So when someone complimented Rosalind on her work, you know, great, great work, Rosalind, great job. She'd say, thank you so much. I worked really hard on that. Or thank you so much. I really enjoyed working on that project. And when they complimented me, I'd say, Oh, it was no big deal. I just did what we did last year. Oh, it was no big deal. I just, you know, it was easy. And what I realized is that people were thinking about me in the way that I told them to think about me. So mm -hmm. I told them that the work I did was easy. I told them that the work I did was not a big deal. And so that is what they thought about me. And we do that all the time, especially yes. as women, right? Think yeah. how often you say to someone, oh, I love your sweater. And we go, this old thing, I've had yeah. it for a hundred years. <laughs> Got it at the Walmart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why do we do that? Why do we do that? Do you know, or is it just, just don't do it? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I mean, we have human brains, right? We don't do it because we're, we're bad or lazy or unmotivated or anything. We just do it. I don't know. We're self-deprecating. We, we, we're trying to be humble. The thing is when someone gives you a compliment and you say, thank you so much, that's not being braggy. Mm -mm. That's not being boastful. And in fact, it's honoring the person who complimented you. So mm -hmm. if someone says, what a, a pretty point. sweater, and you go, oh, this old thing, you're actually insulting the person who just complimented you. Right. right? Oh, and then they're not going to do it again. And if right. you enjoy that positive affirmation, whether or not you show it or not, it's not going to keep coming to you. Yeah, that's exactly right. People will stop complimenting mm -hmm. you. So, you know, it's, and it's hard, right? I don't do it all the time, even though I wrote a book, you know, and, and included this thing in it, right? But mm -hmm. when someone does give you praise, try, try so much. Just say, oh, thank you so much. Or we'll do it like for dinner, right? Oh, this is a great dinner. We'll go, oh, I just heated up out of a box. Yeah. Why don't we do that? I know. And I'm not saying you have to lie about it, but you can say, thank you. I'm so yeah. glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. It's this frozen dinner from Stouffer's. Let me show you what it is. Like, it's so great. Oh my gosh. It was so easy. <laughs> That's so funny right? that you say that because normally, ever since I read your book, I've been very conscious of this, right? And when you said, I loved your book, I couldn't put it down. I wanted to go, oh, but it's just such a mess. And I, I have, you know, grammatical errors and blah, blah, blah. I, like, that's what I would have done before. You didn't, though. You I said didn't. I said, you. thank you so much. I really worked hard on that. I really did. So I'm so glad you found enjoyment from it. You know, that's different and new for me and Marie. Marie knows. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very I'm the different. same way. I'm the same way. And I, I know even with the imposter syndrome thing, I know we need to do an episode on that because yeah. I sit in these meetings at work and I am just surrounded by these brilliant people. And I'm like, God, I hope they never figure out I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. And what's so funny, Marie, is when you were saying that to me, the first thing that I thought is, but you're in the room because you're one of those brilliant people. Right. Right. Exactly. It's so right. weird. Why do we do that to ourselves? I don't know. It's always it's a, a wake up call. progress though, you know. But the book is a wake up call not only on how we see ourselves but how we see other people. I love how you encourage people to really understand where people are coming from when you make a presentation. Like the people who like numbers, the people who like mm -hmm. statistics, the people who like stories, you know, and coming at the, like who would have I never would have thought of that. That was just brilliant putting that you know, together. You know where you can see that um, happening? And I know we don't talk politics. And I'm not talking politics. But no, the no. next time we see um, like a, a State of the Union address or a presidential address, listen to how those political speeches are constructed. Because oftentimes they are written so beautifully that they they speak to many different perspectives, right? So you'll hear how how Mary from Iowa had a 17-year-old son who did this, right? That's a little anecdote. You'll hear data. You'll hear how 320 million yeah. Americans, blah, blah, blah. You'll hear emotional pleas that make you feel very happy or very scared. Yeah. You'll hear how the generals and the experts. So, so you know, you can see very well-written speeches will apply different motivations. So we should do that too. 
right? Yeah, I, absolutely. I cannot wait for the State of the Union or the inaugural speech or whatever. I want to hear this now because now I'm like focused on it. You know what yes. I mean? Whereas before it was just a speech and I, I would get what I got out of it. So I use this big time in Survivor, by the way. Did <laughs> so you? Tell me I how. remember, yeah, there was one tribal council where I was going home. Like I, I knew I was going home. <laughs> and I really tried to appeal to all of the things that were important to me, right? This is why I need to stay. This is why I need to stay. And I remember stopping for one minute and thinking, okay, wait, hold on. I can't think about what's going to motivate me. I need to think about what's going to motivate mm -hmm. the other person. And in yeah. this case, the person I needed to um, convince was JP, who was a firefighter. I just love him so much. But I yeah. thought, okay, what's going to motivate JP to not vote me out? And um, I realized he's never going to want to go back to the guys in the firehouse and say that he got voted out by a bunch of girls in a girls' alliance. So I created this very <laughs> fake girls' alliance and appealed to JP and made up this whole fake story, right? Because I knew that he that was the one thing he wouldn't want. Anyway, I totally lied my way through it. But once I stopped and thought about the motivation from the other person's point of view, is yeah. how I actually saved myself at that tribal council. Yeah, that's yeah. brilliant. That was, yeah, that was good. It is true. It's like, and and that's one of the things that I've learned in marketing. People don't want to know what you're about. They want to know what's in it for them. Totally. Like, I really don't care. Yeah. Like, you're if you're going to market something, don't say we're the best in town. No. <laughs> say, when you're here, you're going to be treated like royalty. You know, yeah. you have to like, it's all about the person reading it. What am I going to get out of it? If it's not a affecting me, I'm moving on, you know? And, yeah. and I know that sounds very selfish and self-centered and, but it's human. It's the human way. And, and actually it's very giving. If you think about it, it's very giving yeah. and loving to say, this is not all about me, but when I have a conversation, I'm going to think about what's important to you. Yes. So, well, when I was in Christian radio, we would, we were coached to not start a break saying, I, you, ah, say, you. Yeah. when you got in your car today and started the car, did it make you feel great when blah, 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 you know, instead of, well, when I got in the car today, as soon as you say, I, people go, it's like when somebody wants to tell you, okay, this is so I funny. When somebody wants to tell you a dream and you're like, it never happened. Why are you telling me this? This is not even real. Like, why are you telling me this dream? I don't want to hear it. That's that's kind of the same mindset when you just talk about yourself all the time. You know what I mean? Do you guys know what I'm so talking? Good. Am I the only one who feels that way? No. I yes. I hate when people tell me their dreams. Okay, like, so I tell you my dreams a lot. Well, but you. So the trick is, Marie. Now you need to start it by saying, Leslie, when you dream, when you dream, you think of. <laughs> This, I, I want someone to interpret it for me. That's yes. what I'm looking for. I'm like, tell me, what does this mean? I dreamt well, this last night. It's like, what does this mean? It's different <laughs> if it's a prophetic dream. But if somebody's just going on and on, and then I opened a door and there was like oh. a, a gnome. And then the, I, and you're just like, why are you telling me this? This is filling my brain. I only have so much, you know, RAM left in this computer brain. <laughs> and uh, I don't want to fill it with gnomes, you know? So anyway, sorry. I totally digressed, which we do a lot. <laughs> that was a good digression though. Oh, yeah. good. It was I'm fun. Glad. It was fun. I I want to talk about the history checklist. Leslie, and we both loved it, but I, particularly yeah. she, she really loved it. And so what happened in your career that brought you to building this checklist? And explain you know. what the checklist is. Yeah. Yes. So that, so basically what we're saying with history is that it's really important that before you sort of launch into, oh, this is my work, this is my solution, this is my results, that you stop for a minute and you ask like, okay, what got us to this point, right? What's worked in the past? What hasn't worked? Why have these things worked or not worked, right? Has it been the right cost, the right amount of time? Who's supported the project? Who hasn't? Because finding out all these things will actually help you succeed. It will help you position your work better. Um, it will add to your value statement as a few other things. But um, I think that just over the course of a career, I've realized that when people, again, it's a, you don't want to come in with the I thing, right? When you just bust right in and tell people like the way you're doing it is totally wrong. And here's a great new way. Yes. Um, it turns people off mm. that if you can just stop for a minute and say, okay, why are you doing it this way? Oh yeah. Have have, has this ever, have you ever tried this? It will actually help you boost your value proposition mm. when you share your own ideas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's also this little bit of when you ask someone else about their opinion, 
now their fingerprints are on it and they actually feel better about your solution. People want to be asked their opinion. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I wouldn't say there was one particular experience that took me to that, just a lot of observation about what has, has worked in the past and what hasn't. Okay. Well, and, and on a different kind of switching gears a little bit, um, one thing I just want to tell you that really already, because I've been interviewing with a company and I'm not, nothing's happened yet, but we've been talking about it. And in my interview, they were asking me, how do you do this? And how do you do that? And I, and what are your, some of your pet peeves? And I realized in reading your book, one of my pet peeves, I never even put it into words until I read your book is when I offer a suggestion and somebody says, oh no, we already tried that. And they dismiss me. And it, it makes me feel unheard. It makes me feel like, but you've never tried it with me. Like, can we, you know what I mean? Like it's, and I said, if you ever tell me that, that will be hard for me because I think that, you know, different people have different perspectives and how they do things. And I don't think we should ever tell somebody we've done it that way before. It'll never work again because it could. I mean, that's right. So I, yeah, I do know exactly what you're saying. So if someone tells you that what you want it, if depending on how much time you have, right, you might yeah. not have the time in an interview, but say, oh, okay, tell me about what happened the last time you tried it. What, what, why did it not work? Or right. when did you try that? Right. Because this time you're exactly right, Leslie, this time it might work. You might be bringing new skills to the table mm -hmm. now that they didn't have last time, or perhaps the environment has has significantly changed in yes. a way that this would be more there. There's many reasons why something that failed previously might work this time. Well, and but you need and to know what it is to be able exactly. to. And they, and it, you get shot down so quickly in the business world. No, we've tried that. It didn't work. And, and I love that whole idea of asking them why and how, you know, and, uh, you know, to be honest, and it's a biblical principle that, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Everything just comes right back around. And so if it's that time for that to come back around, maybe your approach will work. Right. You know, yeah. there's an, we can also take this history checklist back to Survivor, right? When people are sitting on their sofas watching the show, mm. they say, oh, I know what happened. I know exactly what happened because I saw it on my TV, mm. right? They don't know, though, all the other things that they didn't see that yeah. did actually happen out there. And if they were able to ask, okay, what else happened? What else, What other conversations were had? What other things did I not see? They might be able to better understand yes. you know, why this played out that way or better understand people or better understand players. So that's very true. Yeah. The so armchair it's quarterbacks. Like, yeah, exactly. So it's this whole idea of what you see on the surface may or may not be the whole story. So let's dig a little bit deeper if we can. I love that. In in chapter six, you talk about making it all the way to second place on Survivor and how second place made you feel. Why don't you tell us a little more about that? Yeah. So um, the reality is I, I am, I'm, I'm really proud of making it to second place. Mm -hmm. Of course, I wanted to win the game. Of course. Of course, I wanted a million dollars and the title of Soul Survivor. But in the whole scheme of things, I am, I'm really proud of myself. Like, I mm -hmm. think I did really, really well. And one of the things that makes me sad is when people come up to me and the first thing they say is, I watched you play Survivor. I'm so disappointed. Mm. Right? How it makes me feel is, if, as, is, is as if they are disappointed in me. Right? Mm. As if I disappointed them. That's not what they mean, right? These are very no. loving and good, yes. well-meaning people, right? But um, it's this idea of, oh, I'm so disappointed. So what I talk about in chapter six is understanding whether your audience is, is currently starting from a place of satisfaction or dissatisfaction. So mm. if I were dissatisfied and I felt bad, then someone saying to me, I'm so disappointed, that would actually make me feel better because then I feel right. like someone, they understand me, what, right? But I'm already starting from a place of satisfaction. I'm really happy with how I've done. So when you tell me you're, you're disappointed, it just makes me feel bad. Like I would just so much rather that you come to me and say, Chrissy, you kicked ass. I don't know if I'm allowed to say mm -hmm. that on this, but I did. You, um, <laughs> you did so great. You, if somebody, oh my gosh, you were so inspiring. I was so proud of you. I had so much fun watching you the entire season. Like all of that is the stuff that really speaks to me. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the, the personal example is when you get your hair haircut yeah. <laughs> and someone goes, oh my gosh, what an improvement. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> 
and you're like, Did or I they go, that that's yesterday? really short. Yeah. <laughs> it's and like, oh, like yeah. I looked so bad before and now I'm beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's just this whole idea of, of being able to speak to, to how someone else is feeling about it. Again, it's not all about me, right? It's about you. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it? Um, that en- enables you to make those better relationships and well, it all makes sense to me now why I love you so much. I mean, you're just <laughs> literally just one of the nicest, most genuine. I was telling Marie before we started the the podcast today, before you came in, I was like, the thing that I love about Chrissy is that like before I read your book, I I know that you're I know your personality is not all strategy. I know this is very genuine. You're just sharing people with people what works with you. But I said, I've never talked to her where she hasn't just made me feel so good about myself. And and we all know, we're all three women in midlife, mm-hmm. that sometimes women can be pretty freaking vicious and they don't want to see other women succeed. And I do not get that vibe from you. I do not ever. get that vibe from you either yeah. at all, which is why I love talking to you and spending time with you and being friends with you. And- yeah, <laughs> and it's true. And I think that the more that happens... Golly, what more? I mean, like when we can be a tribe united and not a tribe voting each other out as women, imagine how that can just change the world just in its own right, you know, to not be so competitive with one another, but to lift one another up, to celebrate each other's victories. And, and, you know, uh, instead of saying, why wasn't that me? I'm so glad it was her. Right. You know what I mean? She worked yeah. hard for that. Not yeah. I worked so hard. Awesome. It should have been me. So, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I appreciate that about you. And I, I, I see that in your book. I see it in your book. I think it's really, it's very natural for you. But I think what has been so cool is that you've seen that it's not natural for everybody. So you were able to put that into words so that mm-hmm. people can use these strategies to succeed and to win. And, and not only in, in the business world, I'm not even in the business world. Like I'm, you know, I mean, I guess in a way I fitness, I don't know. Fitness is a business. I guess it is, but you know what I mean? <laughs> I'm not in board meetings and making, yeah, but they all apply. These things all, all apply, right? And even it does. as a mom, even as a, like, if I'm a stay at home mom and I read this, I know how to work my kids. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like a lot of it I live, but for sure, my sister, she's got two kids there in 10th and seventh grade and she shares winning conditions with them all the time <laughs> to get them to like, go do awesome things at school. Like, you know, mom, I'm scared to make this speech at school. And she'll be like, oh, let me tell you about Ann Kiki's book, Winning Conditions. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, she uses it all the time. My I husband is hilarious. My husband will like look around in the world and things will happen and he'll go, that is is not winning conditions. <laughs> you like, that is winning conditions. You know, we'll see stuff happening in the grocery store or something. Yes. It's so funny. Oh, but I, um, I mean, you see this stuff everywhere, even in real life. Like, yes, you, know, not- you do. So my point is, if you're listening to the podcast and maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, maybe you're retired, maybe you're not in business and you think, oh, it's a business book. No, it's not. It's a human book. It is a person book. It is a like I said, it, to me, it because I like to simplify, you know, it is like a manual for emotional intelligence, how to know how to love on people, how to make them feel like they're part of things. And it's not a manipulation. It is actually loving people. Yeah, I get that I question that. a lot. Oh, oh, is this manipulation? No, no, it's, no. The, it's actually the opposite of that. It's, it's yes. giving people exactly what they need. And deserve. It's giving, yeah, it's giving other people what they need mm-hmm. to accept what you're giving them. And yeah, right. it's, all, it's all good. It's so, thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Well, how did we, what do we tell our, our listeners if they want to get your book? What's the best way? Oh, so you can buy this book anywhere that books are sold. So anywhere that you like to buy books. So if you like to go to Amazon, you can just look it up on Amazon. Again, the title is Winning Conditions. If you like to go to Barnes and Noble, they are in the stores. They are online. You can buy it online at Bookshop, your local bookstore, Target, any of these places. So do yeah. you ever do like book signings? I guess now it's kind of weird because of COVID. No. No. She's like, no. <laughs> I did go to Barnes and Noble and I tried to get them to let me do a book signing. And they're like, we cannot have any events. I'm like, all right, what if oh. I set up a table in the parking lot? They're like, we cannot have any events. Yeah. And I was like, okay, what if I just pretend I'm a random shopper from 7 to 9 p.m. store? <laughs> 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 they, they were definitely not amused. They were well, not amused. So, you know, um, I, I, I want to just encourage you, though, that I, I know your book is doing very well. And it is 2020. So for your book to be doing well in 2020, 
that's that's amazing. Thanks. Yeah, it's it's, it's all right. Cool. So you know, it's the world that we live in. Everybody's yeah. life is adapting right now. So yeah. we're all adapting. I want to add something um, from my perspective. I am in the business world. I I I love this book. Oh, thank and, you, Marie. But, but what I will say is, you know, there's a lot of books about business, and they're all written by men. Mm. You know, you have your your Jim Collins and your Jack Canfields and your Stephen Coveys, and but they don't talk about stuff like accepting a compliment. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, that's I, not, that's I not loved, a problem for men. Right. Yeah. No, if someone <laughs> said, Hey, that was great job. They'd say, I know, I know <laughs> it was a great job. I did a great job, <laughs> but women don't do that. And so I just really appreciated that perspective. Thank you. You want to hear a little fun fact is that's why my book got picked up so quick. I was told from a literary agent and from a publisher is because most business books are written by men. Yeah. And women who write business books write books for women. And so what the world is looking for right now is business books for men and women yes. that are written by women. I love it. And so when I sent this book out into the world, they actually thought that this was the book that could speak to men and women. That's awesome. So, yeah, so that, I love that's that. That's like a little fun fact. So there you go. I am so proud of you. As your friend, I just, I'm so, so proud of you. But even just as your fellow human, but I just thank love it. You. I love it. Nobody deserves the success anymore. Um, so thank you for spending your time. I want to be very respectful of that. Thank I know you both for reading it. Of yes, course. I really appreciate that. Oh my gosh. I appreciate it. I've got it underlined. So I've actually, I'm yeah. actually going to take that little the chart with the history checklist and make a copy of it so that when I meet with people for, you know, doing, you know, brainstorming ideas, that's what I'm going to like, hold on. Let me, yeah, hang on. Let me look at this real quick. <laughs> Cause it's good. Anyway. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us today, Chrissy. And do you have a website or anything you want to leave? Um, people can go to my website if they want. It's called christinehoffbeck.com. It's my formal professional name, Christine Hoffbeck. Christine Hoffbeck with one F. Well, thank you so much, my dear. You have been awesome. And thank you for joining us today on Midlife Madness. We're really thankful that you uh, were hanging out with us today to talk about winning conditions. And remember, you can subscribe to Midlife Madness on your favorite podcast app and ratings and reviews. Dun, dun, dun. Always important, not only for us, but if you read Chrissy's book, uh, leave a rating and review for her as well, because it really does help, you know. And if you'd like to contact us, you can find us on Facebook or uh, you can get our website at midlifemadnesspodcast.com. And of course, if you want to email us, midlifemadnesspodcast at gmail.com. And we're going to leave you with a quote from Chrissy this, this afternoon. People succeed not simply because they deliver a winning work product or idea, but also because they deliver their work in a winning way. Yes. That kind of true. sums up the book. It really does. Yep. And don't forget, my friend, thank you for joining us. And you are enough right where you are. Have a great day. And we will see you in a couple weeks for our next Midlife Madness podcast.